Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand, please, and affirm with the proclamation of the faith of our heart, the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again presented privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, selfishness. All of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you in the ark of your might, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkadi into your divine hands, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The book, or the letter of Apostle Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness of truth. We are continuing to look into the words of the gospel which the Lord has given to us through His messenger. And we discover the riches of the goodness of God, His wisdom, in this teaching and we are continuing to be prepared to meet with our Lord for the time is close and near and we know about this we have received a certain signal from God that in this generation God intends to produce a miracle, and of course, it is a great miracle that this life in our essence has burned so greatly. And we just sung two different songs, which our pastor has song and I haven't seen it in life but listening to old cassettes I I heard this and one of the songs became one of my favorite songs in general of all time and there is a special love that I have for this song that is called he has come down to me so I may see him and so this word that we received it came down to us 
And of course, we are called to be enriched with this wisdom before God. And we are called to become heirs of the kingdom, which God has prepared for those that love Him. We are continuing to focus our attention to three verbs, which, as a parable in a certain sense, they remain for people that are unenlightened, for people of that category that are called the called, this word remains sealed. It remains in the format of a slogan. They say, why have we stopped at this place of scripture to look at these three verbs for so long, to set aside, renew, and to clothe? And who knows when we're going to move on, they say. However, we, we have seen God's great wisdom, and we've understood that in these three verbs is uncovered the ancient path of goodness. In these verbs, the Lord, with the power of the Holy Spirit, through His preachings, He has come down to meet us in such an order, in such fellowship, with special fellowship. The person of the Lord, our pastor, has taught us that this fellowship is precious before God. And of course, someone will say, well, we could have sat at home at the television right now. We could have listened tomorrow on the way to work. But right now, my garden needs to be tended to at home. There is yard work that I need to do. There are other things I need to do to work while listening to the Word. You know, at one time, I had such a job. I worked six days a week. And I worked from 4 to 1 p.m. And I had to wake up from about 2.30 to 3. And I placed it in my heart that I didn't want to miss church. Yes, I was frequently tired, but I thought, well, somehow it'll, it'll end up working out. And for 12 years, I worked the same job as a driver and then a supervisor, a manager of the company. But when we sing the song, not once you have saved me, not once you have led me out, my testimony is this. I don't remember a single service where I would come to service falling from fatigue and would figure and each time I would pray Lord help me to not fall asleep and towards the end of service there is some kind of wonder that happens and I can't quite pinpoint the moment it happens when service ends everything in me is breathing alive this liberty and joy and this euphoria inside from the fact that I have rested somehow Somehow I am full of energy, and I have forgotten about my tiredness. And the man of God has told us that this worship in which we cooperate with God, yes, we pray, yes, we listen. 
we have modern means electronics to listen uh, almost at any time we can listen to the word at work driving in the car we have an opportunity to hear this word of god our pastor has noted that it is this cooperation in which we worship god it is extremely important before god therefore we are blessed we are blessed that we have this opportunity to partake of this revelation, to partake to these riches in such an order as those that listen to the Word, as the children of God who listen to the Word, as a city that is united as one. There is God's order in such a church. His order and Christ has taught. He didn't say, my father, he, he said, not, did not say, my father, who art in heaven, but it's our father who is in heaven. We sing, and the Lord likes it when we sing together. And all the psalms that we have, we have an opportunity to sing together. A psalm of David, we know that there is a chief musician, the choir, the singer, and those that play the instruments. And this brings joy to God, brings joy to His heart. And this is a feast of the Lord. And it is also our feast. And we, together with the Lord, enter into this rest. We will hear the words in such a way all right you good and faithful servant you are faithful in the little and i will place you over abundance enter into the house of your master we are talking about being clothed in the garments or the robe of righteousness we put in highlight it because we always keep it in our memory to set aside to set aside our former way of life we are continually setting aside our former way of life. Why? Because we are found in the body. In the body, there is a law of sin and death that prompts us. If we are not vigilant to set aside this former way of life, we are called to set it aside, to renew our thinking with the spirit of our mind so that we can be clothed into the new man and so that we can be clothed in the robe of righteousness. We have stopped to study the robe of righteousness, which we must be clothed into, and in part, we have stopped to study the measure of the price that we are called to pay for the right to be clothed in the robe of righteousness, and we have already looked at six different conditions, and have stopped to study the seventh condition, our part that is important and necessary. We are collaborators with God. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. The first and beginning of the Greek alphabet. But there are many letters there. There are many steps in this alphabet. There is a whole alphabet that we are called from faith to faith, from power to power, strength to strength, being found here in Zion to recognize, being found in the order of God and to represent in ourselves. And the seventh condition for the right to be clothed in the robe of righteousness, to fulfill the justice of God, 
is to be clothed in redemption that is yielded in the observance of the Pesach of the Lord according to the statute established by God. This has not been established by man. This is not the will of man. The fact that we are here, it is the will of God. It is the order of God. This is how the Lord has appointed it through our pastor. We remember that our pastor had prayed and asked, Lord, how many times do we gather together? Once a month? Once a year? Three times a year? Once a week? Two times a week? And the Lord had revealed to him three times a week. It's not the will of man. It is the price for the condition of God for those that contend to the throne. Each detail of the annual observance of Pesach pointed to the legal right to exit out of Egypt, which symbolized deliverance from the vain life and to enter into the promised land, to see the promise of God in our lives living and true, which symbolizes the right to final deliverance from slavery to sin and death in the body and in the future, final deliverance from the perishable body itself and the mortal soul. Thanks to our worthy partaking of the Pasic Lamb, saints will be clothed in imperishability and immortality and will be raptured upon the morning star that has arised in the heavens of our spirit. In the Pasic Statute, the worthy partaking of the Pasic Lamb was comprised of the requirements of a specific kind of garments, that carry in themselves the readiness to fulfill the justice of God with requirements that are necessary to partake of the Lamb itself. Without observing these requirements, to these people was a decree of death. When a person says the Word of God isn't working, well, it's because he hasn't fulfilled, he hasn't fulfilled his part. And on the contrary, our observance of the Pesach statute made a person a partaker of the judgment of God over the firstborn of Egypt. Exodus 12.12, about this it is written. So for us to be a partaker in this judgment with God, we were called to observe this Pesach statute. And Exodus 12, 12 says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. According to these words, it follows that the firstborn of Egypt, which the Egyptians depended on, were the deities of Egypt. We must remember that our dependence divines our deity, our trust, and our worship. The first commandment of the Ancient of Days, the Lord says, May you have no other gods before me. The word God, in this word there's an important component. This is authority. May you have no other authority. On what basis do people find themselves authoritative? God said that you may not have before my face any authoritative people. The authority is the judge or the person sent by God or placed by God in order to read the word of God. 
and to proclaim the will of God, the good news, to preach of it. In that time in which the Lord will allow a person to observe this Pesach feast, the firstborn of Egypt represented the image of the soul of a person who refused to die to his nation, household, and corrupt desires. And everything that resists the desires of God, meaning that the desires of God are called to become our desires. If this does not happen, and when people say, well, I don't want to, I don't want to worship in such a way, I don't want to behave in such a way, this means that I'm an Egyptian. I am not an Israelite. But Egyptians, what can they do? They can say, I want to be an Israelite. Well, how? You must enter in, into a covenant with the Lord. You must make a covenant through circumcision. And when the foreskin was circumcised, a person says, I will be taught. Meaning, I don't say, I don't see it this way anymore. I don't understand it this way anymore. We've made a covenant of circumcision that occurs here. Because our tongue, our tongue must be circumcised, meaning it can't, uh, it can't speak what it wants. Because by our words we are justified, or by our words we are condemned. Even inside, we shouldn't say it in ourselves. We might say it inside. A woman had said inside, inside of her, "I'm going to approach him, and I'm simply going to touch his garment, for this is the anointed one of the Lord. This is Messiah." And when I touch his garment, she said. This is a holy man. Something is going to happen. She approached and with her heart she had spoke these things and touched it. And there was a miracle that happened in this moment. Sometimes we can repeat not understanding quite fully how important the power of the word is. I've shared before that I have hurt my foot before and I couldn't uh, stand on my knees. And during night prayer, pastor came to prayer and he led this prayer service. And then all of a sudden he says the following words, repeat after me. And there was a prayer. I don't remember this prayer, but they were the following words. I am clothed in healing. And when I automatically had repeated these words, it was as if like a garment had covered me. I was clothed in this healing. And at that point, at four months, I couldn't uh, pray on my knees. And I had prayed to God, I, I miss this. I can't bow on my knees, and I, I find pleasure in this. Before, I had experienced this great joy to be able to pray in such a way. And then our pastor says, he who wants to testify, please come out here and testify. I said, okay, I have something to say. And I said, when pastor said this while we were praying, I had felt... Um, this blanket covering over me and then all of a sudden I'm standing on my knees I wonder 
the pain had completely disappeared and I thought perhaps I'm 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 simply seeing this or I'm simply this isn't happening I felt no pain just the warmth in my knees and I understood that truly the Lord had healed me in this moment and this was automatic it's important to have the power of the word During our previous services, we have already looked at nine conditions and have stopped to study the final and triumphant condition in which the redemption of God in man was called to triumph over death and sin. This was the need to partake of the Pesach lamb with haste. Exodus 12:11. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. The element of haste upon partaking of Pesach was so important that it is mentioned in Scripture as an unchanging law. It was this element that was enabled in Exodus out of Egypt, and it was this element that was elevated to the rank of a special sign. The word haste, aside from its literal meaning, in the dimension of time, meaning to hurry, to not be late, in Hebrew, in the dimension of the spirit, Spirit, it contains totally different meanings. Specifically, to hasten is to take a yoke upon ourselves, to carry our cross, to endure suffering, to be clothed in the mantle of a disciple, to be clothed in the armor of light, to renew our thinking, to ponder upon the law of the Most High, to heed to the word of God with fear and trembling, and to stand watched in order to not to violate the word of God or neglect it. This is the deep uh, definition that is contained in this word in Hebrew, to hasten, to hasten to partake of Pesach, which was placed as a law for Israel. You are called to eat the Pesach of the Lord, Pesach of the Lamb, in haste. We looked at eight signs that define haste, hastiness upon our partaking of the Pesach Lamb. The Pesach of the Lord is a celebration of the covenant. It is the feast for the people of the covenant. Therefore, here we have the number eight total, eight signs. Eight symbolizes covenant. The first sign of eating Pesach of the Lord in haste means to ponder over the contents of the Pesach feast, or rather over those truths which we fertilize ourselves with through the seed of the word that we hear. The second sign to eat the Pesach of the Lord with haste means to hear the word of God in humility and contrition of the heart. It might seem easy. No, it's not easy. In order to hear the word of God in humility and contrition of the heart, we need to know that this is the true word of God, and then we will be able to fulfill the statute. You know, it happened that there was a time that passed that before a person found out uh, now I know that you are the Lord, and the word in your lips is truth. For this God gives time to study and to learn, to find out what stands behind this, who this person is who speaks these words. Does he speak the words of God? Is he a messenger of God? And this is an important, critical moment. This is a fateful moment in the life of each Christian. 
He who is of God, apostles say, listen to us. He who is not of God listens to others, those whom God has not sent. Whom do we listen to? Whom do we hear? We ought to hear the word of God in the humility and contrition of the heart. And this is not the word of God that today is written on different apps, cassettes. This is the word of God or the words of the one who is the messenger of God, delegated authority. Christ said, It is not by bread alone that man shall live, but by the word of God that comes from the mouth of man. So this word must be released through the mouth, through the lips of a person who will speak this word whom we must heed to. For the lips of the Lord are speaking in such a way. It seems easy, but there, as we covered, there is a whole teaching, a whole teaching of how to listen to the word of God in humility and contrition of the heart. The third sign to eat the Pesach of the Lord in haste means to be vigilant or to stand watch over that which we ponder or that which we eat through hearing the word of God. This is to represent the position of this word. Once we've already accepted, we've pondered over it, we've affirmed it, we have purchased it, now it's necessary for no one to be able to steal it from us, for it has become the belonging of our heart. I paid a price for these words and have partaken of them, eight of them. And in order, it's important for no one to steal this word that we've accepted in the heart, therefore it must be kept, must be kept in the good and pure heart. And there is one that would like to steal these words, but for him to steal this word, it is necessary to to lay out a road to this heart, then to penetrate the heart and to steal it. But the Lord has placed us as a responsible for the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden is the place where we keep a prom, uh, the promises with God for the trees grow there, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life, and many other promises and trees that are in that garden, but we are called to tend to this garden and to protect it. The fourth sign of eating the Pesach of the Lord with haste, and again we're talking about haste, observing the statutes of the Lord, in Hebrew means to cherish the time that is that is given for the partaking of Pesach. We're called to cherish this time. We still want to have enough time to do that, to do this, to do that. How We have to build our house, we have to do give birth to a son, you know, everyone has their own deities. What a person tries to achieve in this life, to leave some kind of legacy, to learn in a university, to gain a profession, to have many children, to build a house. But even the scripture says if the wicked has a hundred kids, then this gives them nothing. As we give birth to our children according to our image and our likeness. That's why we need to hasten on partaking of Pesach, to have time to fulfill our calling. The righteous and all that he does, he will, ha- he will have time. Because he listens to God to cherish time, we need to be obedient. So to do things in the right time, to not set aside the payment of price for later because we won't have time.
the joy that we gain here, the state of our heart, is when we rejoice at the coming of the Lord. He wants us to rejoice here, now, in this body, to rejoice, to rejoice. It's a commandment of God we see in Scripture, to rejoice. The fifth sign of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste, in Hebrew, means to desire and find joy in partaking of Pesach and the subject of the desire and thirst for hearing the preached word about the kingdom of heaven. We must have a desire. Each time when we come to this place, when we come with desire, the Lord quenches this thirst. We are filled. We are filled somehow in our spirit. There is this freshness that is present in our spirit, in our hearts. Some people don't like Oregon. You know, when I get up in the morning, there was rain during the night. And they say, there's a lot of rain here. And I get out in in the morning and this freshness, this fog, this moisture... You know, it reminds me of this state of the Spirit when we desire the Word of God and the Lord quenches then this thirst. He fills the earth wherever you stand. It is drenched with this water. And a desiring heart will feel this uh, quenching with the Word of God or to find joy in, in being filled with the Word of God. The sixth sign of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste means to fulfill our salvation with fear, trembling, and reverence. And the seventh sign, which we will cover today, is to eat the Pesach of the Lord in haste, which in Hebrew means to be strengthened with all might according to the glorious power of God, with all patience and long-suffering with joy. With patience and long-suffering and joy. Colossians chapter 1 verse 11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. So the cross of Christ, people say, this is the power of God. You know, often in the lips of uh, preachers and people, what is the power of God? You ask them. They speak slogans behind which nothing stands. But right now we are studying uh, the might of might of the power and strength of God in different aspects of life according to which we are called to reveal the power of God firstly for ourselves every power or might of God which we are called to be strengthened by in the worthy partaking of Pesach is yielded in the armor of light which we are called to use to resist the ambitions of our personal Egypt. What benefit is it to man that he gains the whole world? He gains it. He labors. But he perishes his soul. What benefit then is it to man? There is no benefit to him. There is only a a loss. Therefore, firstly, we are talking about our Egypt. So, in other words, If I preached, I fasted, I prayed, there are 10,000 people that repented, but what benefit is it to me from this? Well, people say, well, I fulfilled my calling. No, you haven't fulfilled your calling because our calling is to observe the commandment of the Lord and to observe the Pesach feast, meaning to do this according to the statutes of the Lord. 
so that we do not perish our soul, we need to carry judgment over our soul through the words of our lips to stretch out on this Egypt, meaning our uncrucified soul, the scepter. And a person that immerses his soul in the death of Christ will gain it. We are talking about renewing our thinking. We are called to resist the ambitions of our personal Egypt so that when we exit out of dependence of Egypt with our people, we do not bring Egypt with us into the wilderness and we don't fall from from it. If a person carries his carnal nature with himself, if he depends on his own mind, if he doesn't understand how to place his mind dependent on the mind of God, if he's not taught, he is going to... Uh, finally, in conclusion, uh, he's going to fall. He'll fall along his path, along his path to the promised land, as had happened with the people of Israel when they had exited out of the authority of Egypt, but they carried Egypt on their shoulders in the face of their idol. And they demonstrated uh, their lust in preferring the food of Egypt over the manna, the heavenly manna that was given them. They wanted to feed their soul with the meat, with the melons, and those things that they remembered that they had back in Egypt. And a person can fall from this. If he doesn't fulfill God's judgment, if he doesn't go together with the Lord, to observe and do this according to the statute. How do we fill the statute? How do we understand the statute? It is impossible to understand with our human mind. It is impossible to read it. We ought to turn to that place where we have God's order present, the tabernacle of God. And a person who represents for us the fatherhood of God, the priest who in that day in those days will be before my countenance, Scripture says, and he will teach you. He will teach you what to do, how to fulfill the statute. It is impossible to fulfill it, however much man will try. It is impossible to do it outside of the order of God. According to the meanings of this word, to be strengthened with the might and power of God that is contained in the might of his glory, this is to partake of the basic of the Lord in haste. And in order to be strengthened with all power and might according to His glory, we need to fill a certain condition to be in patience and long-suffering with joy. Patience, we need not just patience but also long-suffering in order to see the promises of God fulfilled in our life. We need patience. And when patience conclude, then we have long-suffering that turns on. This is patience that endures until God fulfills His word. And long-suffering When we fall, we forget those things that are behind us. We must... Stop having a remembrance of our falls or our victories. 
He says, he who is perfect ought to ponder in such a way and ought to see this. If we've fallen in life, we endured some kind of pain, perhaps someone unjustifiably behaved in such a way towards you. We come to him with an open heart, but we were spit at. We ought to have joy presence uh, in these moments. We must have bear the state of an infant, meaning we lack the organ of bitterness in us. And this is God's grace and God's mercy towards us. We ought to stoop down to their little, uh, stoop down to their level, and the joy that we have if we don't have this state of the heart we won't be able to use and utilize the many powers of God that are necessary the might of Egypt is strong there is also power in this Egypt and in order for us to resist this power of Egypt we must have the great power of God in different aspects in different manifestations and different details and in every situation we must have this resistance against this Egypt and we must have the power of God that is going to to help destroy the power of Egypt in us otherwise we won't be able to ever leave Egypt and to resist all the powers of Egypt that are directed against us and also we won't be able to outrun the judgment of God and the plagues that had come upon Egypt They were baptized in the fire, the cloud, and the sea. But even exiting out of Egypt, they carried Egypt together with themselves. We might exit out of Egypt, but Egypt will still be on our shoulders. And this is not good. We must be freed from this carnal state to be fully freed from this Egypt. In order to exit from the dependence on our soul, or Egypt, and to resist all the powers of our soul and its lusts, and to outrun the judgment of God and the plagues which our soul will inherit, we are called to look at what is the power and the might of God contained in the might of His glory. And the second question, how do we strengthen ourselves with these manifold powers of God? What stands behind this and how do we use this? The answers to these questions are called to show in our heart results that will testify of the fact that we are partaking of the Pesach of the Lord in haste, as well as the fact that we dwell in all patience and long-suffering with joy. Because dwelling in all patience and long-suffering with joy is the key, and if we don't have this, we won't be able to use the powers of God. It is the key that allows us to be strengthened by the power of God that is contained in the might of His glory. There were guests that came, I greeted them, and they said, well, I wasn't greeted very well. I thought, well, I did what I could do, and then all of a sudden I uh, was offended, and I thought, well, why do I continue to accept these guests? 
But if I have this bitterness, I am missing the key to unlock the manifold powers of God. So we are called to fulfill our calling. And perhaps someone may say something in our address. As Americans say, good for them. <laughs> I will carry in myself God's glory and fulfill in all patience my calling with all long suffering and joy. So the first question, what should be understood as the power of God that is contained in the might of His glory? Because if we do not fully understand the multifunctionality of these powers and what they are expressed in, we will have no opportunity to be strengthened with these powers. Psalm 66, 3. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. Here is the multitude of the powers of God present. We don't have our own uh, strengths. All that we have is from God. Everything exists according to His will and it exists according to His will. We are His servants. And that person that all of a sudden thinks that He is redeemed and He is free, and, you know, as they say, we had uh, a bro brother back in Russia. He had taught, love the Lord and do all you want, and everything will be good to you. This is what he taught. These were foolish words. All that you think to do, you know, we might think various things that might not be correct. The Lord has given birth to us. We have been born again. We have been washed. And then when we are filled with our own lusts and desires, we speak these desires and lusts, and we are then caught in these snares. And the thoughts of our heart were evil all the time. Because then when God would look at the people of that time, we read and see in scripture he understood that these people would need to be destroyed that the end had come before his countenance the end to all flesh he said i will i will destroy all and everything began from some kind of thoughts for as he thinks in his heart so is he but we are called to love the lord and fulfill his commandments this is what the word of god says what is beyond this are the emissions of the human mind which we are called to despise. And we know that our main enemy is our soul. Again, we are returning to our soul. Sometimes we might have some kind of uh, losses in life. In the beginning when we had married, I was not very successful in business and I began to blame my wife. I say, you're not helping me, you're in my way. You're not blessing me. And then I understood that the enemy is my soul. I myself am making mistakes and I was trying to find others who were in the way. Of course, uh, we can also uh, look at this in a spiritual sense. I am not growing. Why am I taught? Why do I have all of these carnal um, things happening in myself? I've been in here, I've been hearing the word for 40 years. This means that we are called to be rid of this carnal nature, otherwise, it will be not good for us. It means we had not heard something correctly because if we are found in the true church of God and we can't be rid of our carnal nature, can't be rid of our disobedience, if we can't be rid of our own personal understandings, if we can't be rid of 
and are led by our feelings and so forth, if we can't be led by the Holy Spirit, by the commandments of the Lord, and the carnal nature here is evident, and our soul, our main enemy, is not yet overcome. We have not yet brought the power of the sword of God over the plagues of Egypt. The soul that is tied to its nation, its household, and its corrupt desires. And for these enemies, all of these are enemies, in order for them to submit to us, we need to be strengthened against them with the manifold mercies and powers of God. The works of God that are done according to the powers of God, they produce fear and reverence before God. Because throughout all time, God's works, in these works, we see the power of God evident. That is magnificent, the magnificent glory of God. In which we see the law of sowing and harvest. Sowing and reaping. And we are called to see these results. Every one of us who partakes of the Pesach of the Lord in haste. The Israelites, when they had gone out of Egypt, they were healed. He gave them the choicest riches of Egypt and made them free from the dependence of Egypt. In the multifunctionality of the power of God that is contained in the might of the glory of God, we see the great work of the redemption of God that show us who God is for us and what God has done for us. Whereas the question, how we ought to be strengthened with the power of God contained in the might of His glory, uncovers for us the essence of what we ought to do to inherit all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. As it is written, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 26-31, Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number, he calls them all by name, by the greatness of His might and the strength of His power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? Can the Lord deliver us from this Egypt? Of course, but we ought to collaborate with Him. If He has created the heaven and the earth, the stars, we look around and see the great balance in the plannings, plannings for thousands of years. It is good for us to, we are living, we are living well here on earth because great is the life that was hidden and that was contained in, in the world, in the, in the earth, in the creation of the earth. And it won't be, God also has a plan. We talk about how we are tarrying here. Why is the vision tarrying, the promise? God says, if it tarries, wait for it, look upon it, wait for it, for it shall be fulfilled. If I don't slow it, he says, 
then the man, uh, the son of sin and perdition, then he will be uncovered. And if that happens, not one soul will be left alive. We need to limit his time. God has everything balanced. Satan will enable to destroy, as we heard, with through nuclear warfare to somehow destroy this earth. Satan would like to, but this can't happen, won't happen, because God stands behind it. God holds everything with His Word. And of course, if we were not to understand this and want to be raptured quickly and quickly and say, well, Lord, how much, uh, how much more do we have to be patient? You've said that the rapture will be quickly. Where is it? It's for the time of the Antichrist to be limited, and this is the wisdom of God. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Therefore we are at peace, because those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. He leads us and He guides us today, because He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The glory of God yields and shows the transcendent holiness of God in God's favor towards His people, as well as God's severity towards those who fall from His goodness expressed in the law of grace. Romans 11.22 says, Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but toward you goodness if you continue in His goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. So if we dwell in the law of grace... Otherwise, we will be cut off. If a person tries to live before God not according to the law of grace, we will be cut off. The glory of the Lord, this word uh, sounds like Shekinah. It is a weight, virtue, light, brightness, honor, greatness, riches, honor, praise, price, the work of redemption, order, likeness, island, hallowed unto him, portion, sanctified, cloud filled with water. These are all definitions of the glory of the Lord, and in here we have a great meaning contained in the glory of the Lord. We know that God is the reason and source of glory, and therefore this glory of the Lord, Shekinah, is some kind, something that functions outside of God or doesn't depend on God. According to the establishment of the will of God, the expression of the glory of God, we ought to depend on the person through whom God shows us the multitude of His glory. 
being found here in church, we see how God has led us, how he has guided us, and how he is guiding us. And all through this, we see the glory of the Lord. He loves his people. To have an opportunity to dwell with him in his trials, to ill, to endure pain when we are betrayed and, and left, to endure shame from people who w went with us into the house of God but betrayed us, to endure hurt from those that are our relatives according to the flesh and so forth. If we don't have this wonderful atmosphere of the Church of God at the head of His Messenger, this all is impossible to live through and to collaborate with this glory. The glory of God dwells upon this place and thus the Lord leads us. According to the will of God, the glory of God is dependent on our dependence on the person of the person God has sent in our lives. Based on the fact that terms such as island, hallowed, portion, and cloud filled with water points to the chosen remnant of God who is in the likeness of God and whom God has separated from people as his belonging. Those redeemed by God who have allowed the Holy Spirit to clothe them and the garments of redemption are the work of God's glory. Whereas terms such as order and likeness yield the state of the nature of the glory of the Lord in which dwells those that are redeemed by Him. It is according to this saint, to this state dwelling in the heart of a person, we judge that this category partakes of the Pesach in haste. If a person hears these words, and they don't kill him, they build him up, they discipline him. Who can live among the devouring fire, scripture says? Who can live uh, in my everlasting fire? Him who is a part of the chosen remnant, the remnant. Only he can stand before God. Practically all the works of God, fulfilled by the power of his might, are the glory of God. The glory of God yields the presence of God to those that have fear and trembling. Power means strength, might, right, authority, power, sign, covenant, light, attributes of the royal authority, the armor of God, the multitude of God's goodnesses, the multitude of God's powers, the multitude of His strength, the opportunity to fulfill judgment and justice, the opportunity to expand. Sometimes we read Psalms that talk about that He has devoured the firstborn of Egypt for His mercy endures forever. He led the people out of Egypt for the his mercy endures forever. And all this is the mercy and glory of God. Therefore, the children of God 
they feel this trembling from listing all of these works of God and all of their different manifestations. Let's look at the nature and the character of the power of God in His people and through His people. This is a key moment when we look at creation, when we are in awe at the work of God's hands, when we begin to know who God is, when we look at what God is doing on the earth. It's not always understood by us, but when we look at what He is doing in man through the power of His might and authority and through His people, here we see rightly who God is for us. And looking upon these people or this expression of God's power in these people, we are able to judge ourselves whether or not we partake of Pesach and haste. The first component of the power of God is found in the word might, which defines the character of God's power. God's might yields the potential of God in man, in which God can fulfill in this person and through this person all that he wants. When his people or an individual person turns to God and is strengthened by his powerful might, then before his strength, there are kingdoms of the earth that cannot stand. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 3 through 6. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven, and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? We will pay attention to one important detail that had allowed Jehoshaphat to be strengthened by the power of God in order to resist the enemies that were brought out against the nation of God, at the head of which he carried a responsibility for. This is the new court, the place upon which he cried out to God, which practically had defined the factor about how faithfully he had looked upon the Lord. The new court is the definition of the new man that is tied to God with a new covenant. Because the old covenant not only doesn't have power to resist the powers of our soul, but on the contrary, it gives power to our soul, which highlights our sin. But the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We see that this is not a state, this is a person, and he has a sting. This ancient serpent, the dragon, and this dragon, an ancient serpent, they have a sting. And this sting is sin. So, in such a way, he brings sting to a person and brings him to death. But the law of God, or it comes from the law, and it produces uh, the law uncovers sin in a person. Uh, 
we, with the power of life that is meant and God are called to withstand this and to withstand the expression of sin in all of its manifestations so that it can't bring sin to, sting to us. And this is life according to grace or in the grace of the Lord. According to these words, and why does this happen? Uh, because he himself is death. He carries death. And he tries to prove to God that all have sinned and all are deprived of the glory of God and all have to have mercy upon them just like he had to have mercy. That he hasn't done anything bad. But the bride of Christ, this is how she differs. She doesn't collaborate with him in this sense. She lives according to grace. According to these words, victory over our enemy in the face of our soul, yielding our Egypt, can be given to us not through the old covenant presented in the law of Moses. This was like an image. An exact beautiful image, but not... It is through the new covenant presented in Christ Jesus and the potential of God in people with which a person is called to be strengthened with to resist the powers of his soul is found in Christ Jesus in the name of whom we have made a new covenant with God. And when we come to God through Jesus Christ whom we have accepted in our heart as the King of kings and Lord of lords, we represent before the face of God evidence of the new covenant in which we fulfilled our role then God receives the opportunity to fulfill His part of the covenant and allows us to use the potential of His might against the warring lusts of our soul. Thus, as a result of us partaking of Pesach with haste, we will be clothed in the might of the Lord, before the strength of which not one enemy will be able to, to rise up against us, being found in Christ and through Christ. So we war and God wants to teach us. And when we have already come to a state of this weakness, and when we say, Lord, there is no strength in me that is my own. You war with me. When we speak these words, we must have this cooperation. We become fully the servant of the Lord, and there is no longer our will. Then this victory is able to happen. And this is possible when we are servants of the Lord, which is a great dignity for us. The next power, uh, the next component of the power of the Lord that is yielded as God's justice yields the character of His Word and the faithfulness of His works in us and through us. First in us and then through us. Rejoice in the Lord, O your righteous. Psalms 33. For praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to Him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy, for the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. If a person has not renewed his thinking, if he has not been renewed in the spirit of his mind, how can he sing a new song? He will sing an old song, and this old song will constantly be revealed on this unknown instrument. He needs to sing a new song on a ten-stringed instrument. The word of the Lord in the truth about justification by faith accepted in the soil of the human heart through instruction and faith. Again, it's a process for how this occurs. It gives a person the right to praise God on harp and sing to Him on 
a ten-stringed instrument. This is to be found in the order of God. We can't have uh, play skillfully with a shout of joy if we're not found in the order of the Lord. In disorder, what he sees, he sings. There is no understanding about order. Order is when these four armies stand each under their own banner, each knows their place, each understands their own calling in order to understand it. How can a person understand his calling? I do this well. And they say, this is my calling. And then a person begins to do what he thinks is his calling. He resists God. He becomes uh, resistant of God. We will be told what to do when we come to church and say, what ought we to do? What am I to do? Can you do this? Yes. Go do. People say, I see myself in stadiums. On the contrary, someone says, I see myself under the bench. I can't stand before people. We each see ourselves differently. But God says, you will do this or that in your own order. And this is skillful, skillful singing. And when I listen to the singing that we have, it is so skillful and orderly and beautiful. In it, we see God's order. No one is singing louder than the other. No one is trying to play louder than the other. It is a wonderful singing that fills and blesses, and it is a blessing to listen to. When we, as a church of God, are found in order, and when each one sings and knows their own role, which the Lord has appointed, we don't need a lot. Throughout this whole song, we play three, we play three different notes, and when we do them in the correct time, when we press them in the correct time, it's beautiful, and we see this beauty that is found in this kind of singing, and this, of course, happens in the Church of God. In the necessary moment, when we are in His order, we will do what we need to do. When we do, we do, we have to do what we do as for the Lord. Someone may not see us fulfilling this work, but the Lord sees. And this is going to be a wonderful singing that fills God. In the two Psalms, we see this place of scripture, Psalms 108, verses 2 through 7 and 57, 8 through 12. O oh God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Even with my glory means being found in our in the correct place. The place of a holy person, it carries a certain glory of God, which we are called to protect with trembling, to not violate the boundaries of the territory. If I depart from that place which the Lord has appointed for me, I don't have glory. The glory of God has to be in this specific place. Awake, lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples, and I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your mercy is great above the heavens, and your truth reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and your glory above all the earth, that your beloved may be delivered, save with your right hand, and hear me. Here we see God's glory where each saint knows his place. That your beloved may be delivered, save with your right hand, and hear me. The right to sing to the Lord a new song on a lute, on a harp, 
and ten-stringed instrument is defined by the readiness of the heart to sing a new song to the Lord, because of which the readiness of the heart that yields the right to enable the powers of the Lord in these two musical instruments is a sign of the fact that a person singing a new song to God on a harp and ten-stringed instrument partakes of the Pesach of the Lord in haste. If the author of these three psalms that we have just read, Psalms 33 and 108 and 57, and there are more of these types of psalms, we only looked at three of them. Our pastor chose three of these. If we were to look to them as physical uh, instruments, then it wouldn't. They wouldn't say the words "Awake, Luke, and lute and harp." I will awaken the dawn. In practice, the union of these two musical instruments is presented in the essence of a person as one command that pursue one goal but fulfill different functions. A harp. Our harp, with which the author says, "Awake, heart," is the image of a good heart in the face of the new or innermost man. Harp is the image of the good heart of the innermost man, our new man. Our spirit that has been born of God, our good heart. Whereas a ten-stringed instrument is the image of a soul of a person that is lost in the death of the Lord Jesus and once again gained in his resurrection, which is yielded in his renewed thinking, in bridled lips, and in the will of a person that is submissive to the will of God. And thus, the right... To define the power of God is the power of the authority clothed in legality that acts in the boundaries established by God and the law of liberty that yields deliverance from deliverance from being slaves of sin. In other words, the power of God is given to a person. Uh, so that we can affirm who God is for us and what God has done for us, so that we can partake of the tree of life and to enter into the eternal uh, city of God. Revelation 22, 14 through 15. Blessed are those who do His commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. We receive the right through observing the commandment, and we are called to enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. The, the outer man. Why can't he enter into this city? Because he doesn't love the Lord. He loves lawlessness. Because remember, in order to enter through these gates, we have to leave. Leave all that is our own. And we, by nature have come, are people that have come with a burden, with a weight, with some kind of baggage, with some kind of suitcase that has been passed along through the vain life of our forefathers. They didn't want us to part with this baggage, but we are called to cast out this baggage because we cannot enter into the kingdom of God, into this city with our own baggage, with our own weight. And if we are found outside of the gates, and we are dogs, sorcerers, sexually immoral and murderers and adulterers, or we love and perhaps practice a lie, or we are not against this lie.
according to this place of scripture, the right to partake of the tree of life and to enter into the eternal city through gates is given to those who fulfill the commandments of God, which highlight how we ought to practice righteousness and how we ought to be sanctified. The slogan of practicing righteousness and sanctification did not work. A person trying to practice righteousness, if he is not outside of the order of God, he then begins to resist God. And we see out of Scripture, and we see many who try to practice righteousness, killing you, they think in doing this, they are serving God. They will speak ill of those who bear His name. And they think that they are doing this out of their zeal for God, but they are practicing lawlessness. Because to practice righteousness, we need to understand how, and who will tell us how to do this. The man sent by God. There is no other way. Thus, as a result of us partaking of the Pesach of the Lord in haste, a person is clothed in the right to practice righteousness and in the works of justice and the right to be sanctified by way of separation from all evil this is the result of us partaking of the Pesach of the Lord in haste at this we will stop our time has ended we will pray and thank God for the precious time that he gives us to be prepared to meet with him and he prepares us amen dear heavenly father in the name of jesus christ we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. You have called us all different, all unlike one another outwardly. You have called us from the four winds of heaven. You have gathered us. in order to gather us into your barn, into your church, into the heavenly Jerusalem. You have redeemed us and made us yours forevermore. And we thank you that you have showed us this eternal goal and have uncovered these riches of goodness in Christ Jesus through the man whom you have sent in our life. You have shown us a multitude of promises which you favor to fulfill over your chosen ones. You have desired and loved your holy inheritance in such a way that you wanted to pour out your mercy, your goodness, and the riches of heaven over your remnants. You're chosen, and for this you have called us, for us to leave 
our lawlessness and to love your truth, to love your commandments, the word of your lips. And you have placed our feet on a firm foundation and an immovable foundation, which is the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, which you have allowed us to restore this ancient path of goodness in our time when the holy prophets offering a sacrifice to you they made an altar out of 12 stones you have uncovered your order your teaching your word and we thank you we rejoice over that mercy that you continue to pour out with your waters. And we growing come from strength to strength and are found before God on Zion. We thank you for the precious sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks to which we have awakened from our slumber, from the slumber of sin, and we have awakened so that we can wake up to meet our groom. We thank you for the great feat of faith that you have revealed in your messengers and in our pastor. And Brother Arkady, who is not here today among us in body, not present in body, but in the spirit and heart he is with us and we pray Lord that your saints be healed and may this man of God be healed that he may continue to represent the perfection we want to understand and grasp the whole fullness while we still have time the fullness of your wisdom that we can purchase this wisdom and make it ours. Therefore, we pray, blessed is he who reads, the one whom you have given and have poured out your glory to represent Urim and Tumim upon this holy place. We pray, Lord, that he be restored and may the power of life and your health be revealed in him and in all of your saints who have come to take hold of the hope in order to seek your fullness and to fulfill your perfect will. We thank you that you teach us, lead us, and we wait for your fullness and for your mercy which you will reveal in our life. Almighty God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And we will conclude our service with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory and unblemished joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.